Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Caring Support Podcast. I am really excited to be coming today to you with a special episode of the podcast where we are going to be talking with um, a group of people from the Paramedic Association of Canada because this is Paramedic Services Week. And so we're going to get a chance to talk to these amazing individuals all about what they do and why they do it and why their passion is paramedic services. So welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Callie. Thanks for having us. So first, we're going to start off with I'm going to get each one of you. If you could tell me a little bit about yourselves, that would be great. And we're going to start with Steve. I've been a paramedic for 37 years this May. Um, I started out uh, at Algonquin College. Uh, it, the, the paramedic course in Ontario at that point in time was one year long. Um, I came out of there, I worked in rural and urban uh, environments part-time. It was very difficult to get a full-time job back then. So I worked part-time for approximately nine years at multiple different services uh, in rural and uh, urban environments. Um, I, I've, uh, I, I, so I was a primary care paramedic when I graduated, which is what happened when you came out of Algonquin College. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get into advanced care paramedic training um, that was offered in Ottawa through Michener College out of Toronto. And we, I became an advanced care paramedic. I did that for a few years, um, became full-time, and I, I then went on to become an advanced care flight paramedic, worked um, two and a half years or so on uh, a helicopter air ambulance out of Ottawa. And, uh, and then the city, the city of Ottawa was amalgamating their paramedic services. All of Ontario was amalgamating their paramedic services, going to um, large municipalities. And I got a job, uh, I was hired as one of the first 12 superintendents for the Ottawa, new Ottawa paramedic service. And I've been there now for 23 years uh, doing that. Thank you so much for, for sharing. Ashley, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Hi, my name is Ashley Chasse. I'm a 22-year-old primary care paramedic. Um, I'm on my third year practicing in the, in the rural um, northwest of New Brunswick. I took the primary care paramedicine program at Olton College in Moncton. Melanie. Hi. Um, yeah, my name is Melanie Stevens. I am a primary care paramedic. I've been working for BC Ambulance Service uh, for just over 10 years. Uh, this is my second career, so it's been really interesting. Um, I had kind of a unique start into paramedicine. I never thought of it actually as a job option until uh, the small rural community I was living in suddenly wasn't going to have ambulance service. So here I am 10 years later. Uh, now I am a clinical educator. Um, so I travel around the province educating other paramedics and I also work for our critical incident stress team. Um, I'm one of a couple of coordinators in the province uh, supporting paramedics uh, with their psychological health. And last but not least, Derek. Hey, thanks. Uh, so I'm Derek Assista. I'm a primary care paramedic here in New Brunswick. So I entered the profession uh, in 2007. Um, 
I geographically the nearest paramedic school was a bit farther away than I was willing to travel. So uh, the closest one was actually in the United States. Um, so I hopped the border and went to school in the U.S. Um, took my paramedic schooling over there. Uh, when I graduated the program at Northern Maine Community College at the time, I hopped back over the border into Canada uh, here in New Brunswick um, and went through the regula regulatory process, became licensed back in New Brunswick. I began my career as a paramedic. So it was a unique time, <clears throat> excuse me, to enter the profession because uh, in 2007 was the year New Brunswick went from uh, private operators to a provincially standardized system. Uh, so I sort of jumped in uh, in August, uh, and the magic date was December 16th, 2007, when everything was flipping the switch. Uh, some people called it a takeover. Um, some people called it a step back. Some people called it a step up. But it was a really cool time to enter the profession. Uh, and, you know, everyone had an opinion about everything at the time. Uh, so I sort of get to see um, the best of both worlds, you might say. Uh, then we weathered the takeover in 2007 and saw that transition happen. Uh, then uh, about three or four years after that, I became involved in the paramedic association, uh, really took an interest in pr promoting, you know, professional uh, standards of the profession, um, advocating on behalf of the profession. So um, I've held roles within the paramedic association of Brunswick since then. Uh, and then more recently became involved at the federal level. So advocating on behalf of uh, paramedics across Canada. Um, so I have a really keen interest in promoting the profession, uh, still an active practicing primary care paramedic as well, uh, wear a lot of hats, um, but here in New Brunswick, I operate as a field trainer, uh, clinical support paramedic, um, and just really, you know, do a lot of advocacy on behalf of the profession. So uh, we can talk about the profession all night here on this uh, podcast. <laughs> Yes, we can, and we're going to get a chance to talk about it a little bit more in depth as we go as we go forward. Thank you all for for sharing that, introducing yourselves. So maybe quickly before we dive into too much of the nitty gritty, maybe we can start with what made you each of you want to become a paramedic. What is your why for becoming and then continuing? And we'll start with Derek this time. Okay, great. Thanks for that. Um, so I would say it this way: I came for the lights and sirens, like a lot of paramedics do. Right. It's the flash and uh, rush of seeing, you know, an accident happen in front of you. And then all of these uniformed professionals whisk in and pull out all sorts of fancy tools and do stuff. And you're like, whoa, that's really cool. Uh, so I came for that. Um, but as you're well aware, if you're a paramedic listening to this podcast, uh, that sort of wears off. Right. And then it becomes, oh, what am I going to do now with my life? So uh, I sort of stayed. Um, and what keeps me going is. Um, the same thing that motivates me to continue to expand my role, it's to raise the bar for the profession and ask myself, you know, 20 years from now, uh, when I'm on my deck and I have my massive heart attack, uh, what is the type of person or persons I want to swoop in and pick me up, right? Uh, and, you know, I could, I could say more, but I think that's the easiest way to say it. You know, I want, just to let you know, I want a helicopter. I want the highest trained people in the world uh, to pull out all of the technology that's available in the world and, you know, snap their fingers and fix me instantly, right? That's the panacea that we're all working towards, right? So I think uh, that's how I would say that. Steve, 
questions. What would you say is your why for being a paramedic? I think out of everybody here, you've probably got the most longevity behind you. So has that changed over the years as well? Well, I ended up, I started as a paramedic. Um, ironically, I was, um, I was a member of the Canadian Ski Patrol for a few years. And I, I was involved with them on, on uh, multiple different levels. And I, there was this paramedic program that was happening and we actually, I crossed paths with somebody and he started to tell me about it. And it, was a, it seemed like a logical progression for me. Um, what motivated or what continues to motivate me is, is very similar to Derek. I wanna see um, the people who are going to come and pick me up as I was joking with some of my new, our new hires recently is honestly, you, you are the paramedic who, when I call, you are going to be the ones who come and pick me up. You know, we, we're, uh, I'm, I'm very close to retirement and I've got, uh, you know, young, young, brand new, freshly minted paramedics coming out. Um, it, it's very motivating and, and watching them learn um, and and come from come from uh, coming out from school far better trained than we were um, with the technology that's progressing as as Derek said I mean our, the technology is progressing across Canada everybody kind of grows leaps and bounds if you start where where I started I mean we didn't carry defibrillators we didn't have there was no drugs of any description in the vehicle um it, it, it's come a huge long way and I'm I'm motivated when I go into work and I see the brand new paramedic who comes out and identifies a a, a STEMI and and it pulls out the ECG tra tracing from the patient and shows me and says, look at this, this is what we did last shift. Those are those are things like living through the living vicariously through them. I'm still a frontline paramedic. I still am on the road. Uh, I don't work full 24 hour shifts or, or full night day nights anymore. I work a partial a split shift, but living vicariously through the new people is is super uh, motivating that is that's that's amazing to hear that and i mean both you and derek did mention right away that like you know you guys are training the people that are going to come and help you right so who you know who is that going to be and how can we make sure that's you know that person knows what they're doing and and you know confidence is all there so that that's an amazing that's an amazing why and i think that's a really good thing to to push for um ashley what about you well i'm gonna be honest it wasn't as an easy choice for me as it was for them uh i had literally to write down choices and ideas of careers that would be interested in and i just um, narrowed it down after some research and talking with people in the fields that i was interested in um, actually it was one night when I sat down with my dad, he made me realize how much I love to, um, is like very instinctive for me to go and be out there and help people. And like, I was just five. I was just always after my brother telling him what to do, what to wear, how to help him in any task he was doing. Some people might think it is cute, but he thought I was being pretty bossy. Um, so yeah, that's how I got to enroll in the paramedicine program. 
she's six. So maybe she'll be heading in that direction too. She drives her little brother absolutely crazy with how like how fussy she can be about his safety too, right? Like we're a very safety oriented family. I actually worked for a time as a safety officer in Alberta for some oil field companies. So uh, I definitely understand that. I think she gets it from me. I mean, <laughs> you see so many things just doing that, right? Where you're like, oh my goodness, right? And you just start raising your children that way and then they pick it up and they run with it. So I can completely understand that. And I appreciate where that inspiration would have come from. Last but not least, again, Melanie. Yeah, my story is a bit unique. I think I was a stay-at-home mom raising kids and and uh, kind of got roped into this <laughs> by my community um, because I did a lot of work for my community and felt quite passionate that we needed to have, you know, an appropriate uh, staffing level of our uh, local ambulance service there. So quickly realized um, how much I love it, but also came to the quick realization that um, there was a lack of support when it came to psychological health with paramedics. So that has become my why. Um, I love interacting with patients and families and being on car, but I also really love supporting other paramedics and making sure they maintain their psychological health um, because it was sorely lacking uh, when I started. So um, that and, you know, in my clinical education role as well, making sure that we start off people on the right foot uh, with supporting their psychological health early on in their career. We're going to morph kind of into talking about um, your guys' experiences in the college paramedic programs. And I think the best person to start with would be Ashley because she is the freshest out. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience in your college paramedic program? Maybe you could elaborate on what it was like, maybe what the hardest part was for you. And maybe you could tell us what something, what is something that you wish someone would have told you before you went into paramedic? Um, the program at Olden College was 15 months uh, long. We started off our weeks with theory days and then we finished off the week um, with labs. So the hands-on part of the course. Um, approximately 12 to 15 weeks were um, dedicated for clinical and practical on-track experience. So we got to do um, some shifts in the hospital and different departments um, with nurses or um, oh, the RT, respiratory uh, therapist. Um, we were then assigned for the on-track experience to preceptors um, whose job were to um, monitor our skills and to guide us on calls. Um, to this day, I still use every tips that they gave us, um, all the students. Um, they were very helpful uh, with the transition from being a student to the on work, the on site job. Um, personally, uh, the hardest thing for me, it was to do uh, well to learn the program, to do the whole program in a secondary language. It was quite a journey for me. Um, Prior to the course, I wasn't really considered bilingual in the slightest, um, but I pushed through and I had friends that I made through the program that were very supportive and they were always um, gently and very nicely correcting me if I had to uh, pronounce things different ways or, you know, the usual. 
Um, my instructors, instructors as well, were, they were very uh, patient. They really helped me uh, push through as well. Does anyone have anything they would like to add to that? Maybe a different perspective on an experience or a different school? I could. Uh, my experience in BC was quite a bit different probably than anybody else's. Uh, I started as an emergency medical responder, which at that time was a two-week course. Uh, quickly realized that that was not enough to be able to do calls on, in the back of an ambulance in a rural and remote community. Uh, so I took a part-time primary care paramedic course, which was uh, one weekend a month, if I can recall, a lot of self-study and then one weekend a month for about a year um, of workshops and then precepting uh, as well for a month straight, pretty much. Um, so it, it was uh, a long journey, but it was definitely well worth it for me. Um, the skill level quite a bit different from a two-week course to a to a one-year. <laughs> yeah. So, in thinking about that, the difference between like you know two weeks and a year, or even more education, depending on what you're what you're going into. Um, what advice do you have for current primary care paramedic students or people that are thinking about going into the field? I think that uh, that. They should go in with the attitude that it's going to be a, a lifelong learning. Um, if you look back to 1986 when I when I did my primary care paramedic course, the, things have changed and things change every year. Whether it's a, a new protocol that's come out, whether standards have changed and you're now using a, a new medication, a different medication, um, it it all you you need to stay on top of it. Um, some of, in my career, some of the best medicine was actually when I was working on the helicopter because every year we had oral board exams. So you essentially did, you recertified, we went to Toronto once a year for 10 days and you, you went down there and you did oral board exams. And what it forced you to do as a paramedic was to stay on top of learning. Um, it's really easy if you have downtime, some services have very little downtime, but if it's very easy when you have, when you have downtime to get lost in other things. And uh, if you can set aside time to stay on top of, of what you need, it's gonna help you immensely in the long run. I, I would add, um, I know Melanie's a pro in that department. Um, she's really, uh, well, I'm just going to go to what I'm going to try to say <laughs> uh, that mental health. It isn't very important, um, important to incorporate and educate yourself yourself on the subject. Get tips on how to handle stress or PTSD, especially after very hard calls, because a difficult call for me could be very different from Derek's or Steve or Melanie's to handle. Um, so I'd say rely on your peers. Do not be like afraid to talk it out. Um, we all understand each other. We're all going through the same thing. We're all doing the same job. And don't try to act it out being tough. It will catch up to you. I was going to say much the same. Uh, create a strong support network early on in your career. Um, and include psychological, like professional psychological support in that, because um, that's what's going to help you with career longevity, uh, help with, you know, compassion fatigue and those kinds of things that we see quite commonly with paramedics. The the time to go see uh, a psychologist and stuff is before you're having 
like get a baseline before you're having any kind of problems or issues is, is, is get yourself set up, get them so they know you. So they, they have somewhere where they can bring you back to after that traumatic event. So this week is paramedic services week. And with that in mind, maybe Derek, you could shed some light on what some of the struggles that paramedics are facing right now. Wow, that's a great question. Um, so struggles right now, so I can just quickly relate back to you. I just come back from Ottawa. Um, so this is paramedic week. Uh, if you think back to the 1st of May, we, uh, the Paramedic Association of Canada hosted a group of paramedics across the country uh, in Ottawa for a day we call paramedics on the hill. And um, the purpose of that is to bring a group of professionals together and just, you know, gather the current issues that are facing us and talk to MPs, senators, policymakers. Uh, so a couple of the key things that we heard from across the country were uh, issues related to violence against paramedics is one thing that we're really seeing a lot of. Um, and that's for a number of reasons. You know, we just come through, obviously, I'm going to use the P word for the first time on the podcast, the pandemic. Um, so, you know, we all know what that did to uh, mental health from on, on practitioners as well as on our patients. Right. Um, and we're seeing increased levels of violence against all first responders. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of tragedy around law enforcement. Um, and what I tell everyone is that on all those calls that we, we hear about those terrible tragedies where there are deaths to police officers, guess who else was attending those calls? Paramedics, right? We're exposed to that same level of violence. So um, we're raising awareness about that. Um, and one of the key things that we focused on was Bill C-321, which is going to uh, raise the level of punishment for anyone who commits a violent act against a first responder to that the same as if it were a peace officer. Because right now, if myself and a police officer is on scene and we both get assaulted, uh, the charges against the individual for the assault on me is less than the police officer. So we don't think that's right. And we think that needs to be changed and paramedics deserve that level of protection. So. Uh, that was a big one. Uh, another big one that we're facing right now is a lack of available data. Uh, so when you talk to policymakers and even paramedic leaders um, or healthcare leaders, if you're listening to this podcast, if I came to you as a government and said, I have a bunch of money to give you uh, to fix all of your problems, show me where your problems are. Uh, right now, that would be really difficult to point to uh, publicly available data. Uh, either on, you know, we just talked about mental health. So if I said to you, you know, what's the number one mental health um, strain on paramedics? You know, some provinces like BC, for example, they're ahead of the curve. Uh, they have a lot of good uh, data available. I'm sure they would want more. Um, but, you know, New Brunswick, uh, we don't have a lot of information. So we'd scribble on the back of a napkin and say, well, these are our problems. Um, so we're seeing a lot of uh, commitment from policymakers on uh, making uh, investments into fixing our problems, but we don't have the data available um, to, to justify where those needs are. So those are a couple of the biggest things. Uh, and then I would say the other, the other, big, uh, the other big one is around um, the community paramedic uh, model. So something that's talked about across the country um, and it's available in pockets, uh, but it's not really, it's not really gone viral uh, in healthcare. Right. So there are certain portions um, 
of the profession within provinces and there's pockets, you know, so Steve could talk to you about Renfrew County as an example, right, where they have a robust paramedic, uh, community paramedic program. Uh, in New Brunswick, there's not a community paramedic to be found in the entire province, right? Uh, so those are those are big things. Uh, those are struggles we're facing. Uh, and then I'd say, you know, like everyone else has already talked about mental health, uh, after we've just come through the pandemic, I think a lot of paramedics now are starting to feel the effects of that. So we we kept our nose up, our chin up, uh, kept putting on the PPE every day and treating people. And, you know, uh, just imagine how, how stressful it was on the public uh, with changing standards. Well, imagine being the practitioner, right, and dealing with all of that stress uh, and, you know, the, the goalposts were changing on a daily basis. Where, where this type of gear for this, where this type of gear for that. Uh, really stressful times. Uh, we worked through it all. Uh, and now when it's all over, it's like when you come off the ice after a shift, it's like, oof, now I really feel tired, right? And I think a lot of paramedics are feeling that right now. So uh, we're pushing through all that. Uh, we're seeing increased call volume across the country. Uh, we're seeing a decrease in the amount of practitioners. Uh, so yeah, there are a lot of challenges for sure. Does anyone have anything that you'd like to add to that? I think that pretty much covered a lot of what, I mean, what I've kind of researched and read on as well. So... Let's talk more about how the public looks at paramedics. Sometimes, like you said, like there's been this uprise in violence towards paramedics, which I personally don't fully understand. If someone's coming to help you, I don't understand why people would be. Like, I mean, there are mental health issues that could go behind that as well, but it's it's hard to, to think about that. So what is something that you wish the public knew about being a paramedic? And how can the public support our paramedics better? Maybe we could start with Melanie. Sure. Um, I, I, the one thing that came to my mind with this was, um, I don't know that the public understands how much care, kindness, compassion we have for people and human beings in general as paramedics. Um, we do this job for a very specific reason, most of us, because we get a lot of value out of helping others. Um, and I'm not sure that that's accurately portrayed to the public in how much we actually care about the patient care journey, really, and trying to make their worst day just a little bit better. I know it's something like there's so many medical shows now, right? Or like Chicago Fire, Chicago MD, all this kinds of stuff, right? And it just, it puts this almost like I would say an unrealistic look into it right like I they're probably trying to make it look realistic but it's not mm -hmm. right and I think that's why it's important that the public actually understands that you know these are not actors coming to save you you know coming to help you these are these are real people and um yeah I think it's important for the public to support to support our paramedics my mom uh, was actually an EMT and we I grew up in southeastern Saskatchewan and um so if you can picture this like the the amount of people in the area in the area that she covered pretty much every call she went to was someone she knew so and that is something that she carries with her um to this day so and having that um having her stories in my head when i talk to um people like yourselves it's uh it, I really do respect what you do, and I'm very thankful that all of you do what you do. So, 
Um, did anybody have anything else that they would like to add to that? What they think, how the public could help you guys out more? I can go. Um, a main thing that comes around often is to affect our lights and sirens. It happens often. We still get cut off. People are not like necessarily moving to the right. The only thing they have to do is to simply slow down and move to the right. We'll do the rest. We can see and understand how stressful it can be and overwhelming for drivers to hear and lights. Uh, they hear, hear the lights and the sirens all together, but yeah, it is safer for everyone just to move on the side and wait for us to go by. Sarah, for Steve, anything to add? Uh, yeah, I think that uh, people some sometimes may not realize the education that, that actually the paramedics have across Canada. Um, whether you know it's a demographic certain demographic believes that uh, you know you're an ambulance driver I mean is that term um, but they don't realize that you may have been to school for two or three years to to come and help them in the middle of the night um, and and across Canada it varies by where you are in the in 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 the country uh, on, on who's actually going to show up what the training is uh, behind the people that are in that in that vehicle that shows up at the, when you call 911. Um, we're fortunate that regardless of the training, the people that do show up are caring, empathetic people. And, uh, you know, the the challenge we have sometimes is is we're making clinical decisions in the field and explaining to patients why we're not taking you potentially to the closest hospital, but we're taking you to a more appropriate hospital. For various reasons, and they they don't understand our clinical training and 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 the education behind necessarily uh, paramedics in Canada. Yeah, like Steve said, I think it is important to the public to get more educated on our job, how important our role is in the healthcare system. Like he said, um, it is not a load and go system anymore. We do get to treat and do it something with the patient prior to transport to the hospital. We are coming to the end of our episode today and I want to thank you guys all for being here but before we end things off was there anything else that you guys wanted to tell us today about your job about maybe your hopes and dreams for the future anything like that? As a paramedic who's imminently going to retire I'd like to encourage people to consider joining this profession. There's going to be job openings for many years as we fill uh, roles that have people are retiring there's a large a large contingent in a lot of services that are are at retirement age and and we will be retiring imminently we've got uh whether you're in british columbia new brunswick nova scotia ontario all there's colleges and and education opportunities out there for you and we would love to have you come and join us that's really well done steve and i think maybe i talked to the practitioners for a second so if we have paramedics who are listening um and this is paramedic week i just want to thank you all for serving your communities i think it's really important uh, and most times paramedics when somebody says thank you you just kind of shrug and keep pushing the stretcher down the hall right because you're you're busy um, and we don't do enough of practitioner to practitioner recognition. Um, so on behalf of all paramedics, 
um, is somewhere between 30 and 40,000 in Canada. We don't have the exact number. Um, but on behalf of all of us, uh, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, you know, we're a very diverse uh, group of professionals, and I love that. I think we're we're a unique group of practitioners in Canada. We're a unique profession that, as technology improves, we're going to be the gateway to healthcare for a lot of people, uh, and we're going to be the access point for people uh, for years to come. And you know, the the time, um, and then like Steve said, the time to enter the profession is has really never been better. So you know, yes, it's chaos. Um, but, you know, I look at things like this. There's a new national standard coming out this year at the end of the year uh, that's going to raise the bar on paramedic education again. So the NOCP is going away. There's a new NOSP, which is going to pave the way for baccalaureate paramedics. Uh, it's going to make uh, paramedics uh, much more relevant in healthcare. It's going to give you many more options uh, further on in your career. Um, and it's going to just, you know, change the landscape again of our profession. So uh, if you're if you're kicking the tires on joining the profession, um, there's plenty of work to do, uh, and the timing is is great. So again, thank you for this. I will mirror what Derek said, and I will actually say thank you to all of you for being here today, for helping us point a spotlight on this very important career, and. Thank you very much from everyone here at Caring Support for taking the time to do this as well as continuing to serve your communities and being the lights that you are and the guiders that you are because without you our communities, you know, wouldn't be the same. So again, thank you very much for being here today and I am looking forward to hearing from each of you again in the future to see how things are going and I hope you guys have a really great uh, paramedics week. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly.